0: This is Voices of Experience, your National Speakers Association source for insights, ideas, and breakthrough conversations that will help you build your speaking business and enhance your ability to connect with your audience. Now, here are your hosts, Pilar Ortiz and Steven Iverson.
1: Welcome, everyone, to your 2015-2016 September edition of Voices of Experience. I am Pilar Ortiz.
2: And I am Steven Iverson and together we will be your hosts for the upcoming year.
1: It will be our honor to serve you with powerful interviews, direct information and valuable takeaways to improve your business.
2: We have key interviews with active and successful speakers that will share their knowledge with friendly tips and mastering techniques proven by others. We are also extending the value of VOE by continuing the conversation. It's easy. Go to the National Speakers Association Facebook page. Post your questions and comments. We look forward to hearing your thoughts.
1: Also remember to download the VOE app so you can enjoy this valuable information on your own time. The theme of the month is to rock your platform. Let's get started.
2: She is quirky, genuine, and funny. She's energetic and a thought-provoking communicator and performer. Tammy Evans has a master's degree in fine arts and a bachelor's degree in broadcasting and theater. She's a funny motivational speaker that firmly believes that laughter is a vital part of learning and living.
1: Even if we are not actors, Tammy will show us how to use theatrical skills to enhance our presentations. Her expertise will help us to be more delightful to our audiences. You will find yourself warming up your voice and embracing your inner dork to be, as she says, a Tammy
2: Evans, welcome to VOE.
1: Thank you, thanks for having me.
2: We are excited to visit with you because what we wanna know is how as speakers can we convey a strong message using some of those fabulous techniques that you bring to the experience through show business.
3: Yes, yes. I think we're all in show business. And I say that because I think no matter what you're speaking on and no matter what content is, everyone wants to be entertained. And I believe that we learn through laughter and we're motivated through heart. And so by taking some of the showmanship techniques that that I used when I was uh, getting my Master of Fine Arts degree, I think that we can bring some of those really easily into your program.
1: What is an example of that? Because we are interacting with the audience, but sometimes you are just focusing on your content. How do you do it? So here's how I like to think about that. If we talk about
3: a baby dog, a puppy, okay, for instance, I like to say that, There are two parts to a puppy. They're the internal organs, which are absolutely vital for the life of the puppy, right? But unless you're at, oh, let's say a veterinary
4: convention,
3: (laughs) you really don't want to be looking at the internal organs of a puppy. You want to see the cute, adorable, you know, thing that everybody, you bring it into the room and the audience goes, oh, and even cat people, you know, they kind of like smile because it's absolutely delightful. You want to delight your audience. Your client, when you're speaking for your audience, they want you to be the
2: puppy. (laughs) So So even a speaker who is really high content or presenting very complex ideas can still be delightful. Absolutely. So how do we do that?
3: Okay. I'd like you to think about four things. These are the four theatrical qualities about a, a program and they are what you say, what you do, how you feel, and how they feel. And if you answer those four questions as you're developing your program, then you've got all of those tenants covered. And that is the way to delight by answering all of those questions. The first one I call Backstage. And that's about the preparation for your program. Um, This is something that as a professional actor, or performer. That is part of your program. You start with a ritual. You have all kinds of different warm-ups that you do. You do vocal warm-ups, physical, mental, spiritual warm-ups. So for today, I wanted to share a vocal warm-up with you. Now, if we had lots of time, we could do all different kinds of vocal things, but I call this a vocal hack because most of us are independent business owners. We're running all over the country. We're doing a lot of things. So this is a very easy, simple way to have your vocal cords warmed up, in one easy motion. So what you do is you start at the very highest end of your range, which is kind of the highest sound that you can make when you're humming, and you hum all the way down to the lowest sound that you can make, and you end with an open ah.
4: Okay. I will demonstrate. (laughs) It sounds
3: like this. Try it with me m mm-hmm that was lovely. <laughs> and do you see how that hits every note that your vocal cord would do? If you do that three or four times, you can do it in the shower. You could do it on the subway. You can do it in an airport. You can do it while you're driving I'm backstage. sure a <laughs> of our
1: listeners are doing it right,
3: right now. While you're driving, absolutely, yeah. And it really is a very quick way to just make sure everybody's like, at attention and ready to make all the sounds that you need to make in your program.
1: And one more in the backstage is being nice. Well, that's the thing that
3: I said is the most important preparation that I learned through my theatrical experience doesn't have anything to do with actually performing, and that is... Be nice. (laughs) Smile. When you're working with people, and I mean be nice not just to your client, the event planner, your fellow speakers, but the people who are setting up the chairs for you, the people who might be trying to serve a meal right before you're going on, the people behind the desk when you check in, everybody that you encounter, and particularly the audio-visual team. They truly are the most important part of your program because without them, you are not seen or heard. Walk right into your program, introduce yourself to those people, tell them how important they are to you, ask them if there's anything that they would like you to know about the room or their equipment, really treat them with respect. Treat everyone with respect, just really, I can't encourage you more. Just be nice. (laughs) You want to be the person you are off stage, that you are on stage, because it's about that continuity of character. It really is.
1: Speaking about the second one, you say that we have to build that character. What is exactly what that means? Yeah, so
3: I call this building character, and that is really about your personality. It's what you bring to your program, because a lot of our content has been Delivered in a lot of different ways, the one unique thing that we have to share is our unique ability to tell our story and the way that that works. So, the way that I deliver this is I encourage everyone to realize that when they're coming up with their personality and their thing that makes them unique, you really need to realize that you're a dork. (laughs) (laughs) You're a dork, and you're and I'm a dork. I mean, we are all dorks and everybody in the world has this place inside them where they have an inner dork. It's a place where they feel like oh, I'm not so sure that I feel confident around there so a lot of times people try to hide their dork. I encourage people embrace your inner dork. Because if we all start out knowing that there's a dork at our core, there ain't nowhere to go but up. (laughs) (laughs) So it it allows you to bond with your audience through the authenticity that is yourself. So if you ask the dorky question or make the dorky statement, what's really going to happen is people are all the dorks around you are going to be so happy that you did. And if you do it with passion, and you use your personality,
2: you will be Adorkable. I love it. So backstage, building character. Yes. What's next?
3: Critical acclaim. And this is audience engagement. The audience is an enormous part of your showmanship. They are an actual character in your program. So I think that when we learn about theater or acting or movies, we always think about That is a show that's happening. We're not really engaged in it. It's called The Fourth Wall in Theater, and it's It's an understanding, the audience sits there, they understand the action is going to happen. Now, Ferris Bueller did it in the movie where he turned right to the audience and he spoke right to the camera. That's called breaking the fourth wall. It's critical to break the fourth wall in your program if you want to really engage with your audience. And so the way to do that is to absolutely allow for things to happen where if somebody says something from the audience that um, might be an add-on to something that you said, don't just gloss over that. Go back and say, oh my gosh, that was that was hilarious that you said that, or say that again so everyone can hear it. You immediately make that audience member a star, and they love it, their colleagues love it, and you have now broken that fourth wall. You can also go down into the audience and actually move around and talk to people. You can also ask questions from the audience, but really find a way to engage the audience in your program not just don't just do your program at them. What you want to do is as a speaker you want to take these techniques and these skills and really bring your audience almost up onto stage with you metaphorically speaking. (laughs) So the thing about authenticity is that you want to you can perform a story. You can definitely tell a story and have gestures and actions and different character voices and allow that to really be a performance at times. However, you want to present your ideas. And by that, I mean you allow the authentic you to come out and actually speak those ideas and thoughts to the audience. So it's not all glossy and, you know, kind of, perfectly tailored. It comes out of you, comes out of your heart. So the fourth one is called the plays the thing. And this is about actually developing your show or your program. And the thing about that is I think that it is our job to add drama to the (laughs) content. And so there are really simple ways to bring drama and showmanship in, and they can be something as simple as a pause. Or you could just do something if you had something really vitally important that you wanted to get across. You
4: could actually whisper it.
3: And boy, you'll see people's ears perk up and they're like, wait, wait, what what, what, what am I missing? What am I missing? And, and that's such a, a great way to kind of engage them more in that. Um, other ways that you can add drama are you can add slides, music, videos. But the most important way and the easiest way really to add drama to your show is to think about your opening. Think about your opening and really spend a lot of time – Is it different? Is it unique? Is it funny? Is it controversial? Is it shocking? What is your opening that makes people remember and engage immediately? That's the opportunity. The final thing I'll share is that there's a question in NSA to memorize or not to memorize. That (laughs) That is is the the question, question. (laughs) right. So I will give you my take. It is my opinion. I believe you should memorize your ideas, but not your words. Because if you try to memorize your words, if something shifts or if you do have a wonderful audience engagement moment, then you may get a little thrown because you're like, oh, what was that word? What was that word? Memorize your ideas. I want everyone to have fun. Bring some show business into your program, and not only will you have fun, but your audiences will be delighted.
2: Well, we've been delighted to have you (laughs) with us. Such great ideas. Thank you, Tammy.
3: Thank you so much. Thank you very much.
2: (laughs) We are honored to have with us a very special guest who was the host of Voices of Experience in 2009. He is a communications consultant, infotainment expert, and multimedia producer. In this powerful interview, we're gonna talk about videos and how to engage the audience through multimedia. This is the first of two interviews.
1: On the first interview, we will identify the obstacles speakers have to face in order to start using videos and other multimedia during the presentations. But what if we don't want to record them? Where do we find materials to use? What else can we use besides PowerPoint? Brian Walter, CSP, and we are going to talk about videos, but not in the sense that we always hear social media, videos on YouTube, videos during our presentations.
2: And no longer is it the keynote speaker who just talks at us. It's engagement with technology. Help us figure out how to make that happen.
5: Absolutely. Well, the first thing you want to do is to want to do it. Because, well, I'm a speaker. I don't even need visuals. It's like humans are visual creatures. And, I, and when pe- when I hear speakers say that, well, you know, I, I, I'm a speaker. Uh, you know, why would I use visuals or a video? I'm thinking, well, gosh, so you want to take probably 90% of the way that human beings take in information and not do that. So I hope you're really good because you're going to have to overcome that. So especially uh, the younger generations are uh, uh, younger Xers and millennials, they would be baffled if you don't use media in your presentation. So the first thing you got to do is you got to want it. You got to want it. The next thing is to make sure it's like how much? And the answer is as much as works. You know, so when a lot of times when we think of a video it's like, okay, if you're giving a 60-minute presentation, it's like, well, no, you're not going to have 20 minutes worth of media that would be crazy. But It's like, okay, I'm going to have 30 seconds of video here. I'm going to have a minute, 15 minutes later. I'm going to have another two minutes, uh, 20 minutes after that. And then I do a 15-second thing. You see how you can punctuate it. And it's also fascinating is that to give the audience a break from you. Hmm. Now, of course, we want the audience to love us and they think we're fantastic. But, you know, a little bit of us goes a long way. And so, in a 60-minute presentation, to have portions of that speech where you're not talking is excellent.
1: So, what type of videos we are talking about is not the speaker on video, it's different type of video during your presentation.
5: Yeah, exactly. I'm kind of somewhat horrified sometimes when I see a speaker show a video of themselves talking. (laughs) So, it's like, okay, so you're on stage live, and now we show a video of you as a talking head talking to them. Because if I were the audience member, I'd think it would be so much easier if I just saw this whole thing on YouTube, which is not good. So what we're really talking about is having video other than you, or at least professionally done video or user generated video that you feature for specific reasons. That's what we're talking about. We talk about using video during your presentation. So video
2: that simply helps to convey your message or also video that draws them in as it emphasizes their particular culture.
5: I would say both of the, those things are true. Similar to think, think of using video like you would use a story. Why are you using a story? You're using a story to prepare them to get a certain point. Or you're using a story to lock in a learning that you hopefully just gave them. And you're also using a story to be memorable. Those are generally why we use a story. So I think that's probably the best analogy. Think of, you pepper your speech with stories. The same reasons you would do that is why you would use video.
2: So the speaker who now knows they need to want to use it is scared to death because they're not sure how
5: to create the video. What's an easy way to get started? The easiest way to get started is TV commercials. TV commercials. TV commercials, when you think of it. Agencies have spent hundreds of thousands, sometimes millions of dollars, to create entertaining little mini-movies that do a perspective. Now, for example, uh, every year there is the Super Bowl. And when you think about it, most people go in because it's it's a cultural event, but it's amazing how many people said, I'm really watching it for... The commercials. Right. So they're commercials that, they're not like doing some hard sell of some product. They're entertaining us and giving us a perspective. So what I like to do is take a commercial, and it's going to be 30 seconds or 60 seconds, very short, and insert it to make a point. For example, years ago, one of my favorite Super Bowl commercials was for um, EDS, which is a company that no longer exists. And it was all about herding cats. And they had a whole bunch of cowboys and tens of thousands of cats. And it was hilarious. And then, so I show it, and then I make the pivot point, which is that we have to make that commercial make sense. Now, here at XYZ Company, isn't herding cats kind of like fill in the blank? And they're like, oh. So they saw this entertaining commercial, and then you do a pivot, and then you have it make a point. Now, the amazing thing about using commercials is you're getting everyone to experience it concurrently. That never happens in the natural world because commercials just kind of surprise you. Now, I used to work in advertising and I would produce TV commercials and we would have an approval meeting where everybody, all the executives in the room, we would say, and here comes the commercial and ta-da, and we would all watch it intently. And then they would, of course, criticize and shred it and I have to make edits, but that's another story. (laughs) But with with the audience to say, here is a commercial that I really love and it covers this topic. Let's all watch it now. That is the first time ever, ever, that hundreds or thousands of people at that one moment have been prepared to concurrently experience that commercial. They're all going through it at that same 30 to 60 second emotional, intellectual journey right there. That is a super powerful thing that as speakers we can tap into. So a fair question is, okay, how do I get these commercials? Yes. And, and and how do I insert the insert them in? Two ways. You can always download them from YouTube. That is something you can you can buy a YouTube downloading software. Uh, but there's another place. It's called usatvads.com. Usatvads.com. Since the 70s, there's an outfit that has been recording all commercials from the airwaves, and you give them money, and they will send you this commercial. Mm-hmm. In whatever format you want. Do you want? Are you a PC, WMV? Are you a Mac, MP4, MOV? So you give them money and people say, well, I wouldn't want to spend $300. It's like, you wouldn't spend $300 on a video that someone else spent millions of per- dollars producing to get you the exact emotional shift that you want I think that's crazy. I think that's a fantastic investment. So, and no, I'm not an affiliate of them. (laughs) uh, um,
1: What is the website again?
5: Again, USATVads.com. That's a great place to get commercials.
2: Thank you very much, Brian Walter, for sharing that information about resources for videos as an option, almost like using storytelling on your presentations. Next time we'll talk about other types of videos in case we don't want to use commercials. Attending the National Speakers Association annual convention is usually the highlight of every member and every convention is a little different than the last. Influence 2015 gave us an opportunity to see five speakers being challenged to present in five minutes. And for one of those speakers, it was the longest five minutes of his professional career. Join us as we have a conversation with Robert Siciliano.
6: At least 1,700 people and then those that were streaming Uh, Influence 2015 know that I had a tough time on stage this year. Uh, It was my first main stage presentation and um, I was uh, tasked with this. Uh, This opportunity presented itself uh, about six months ago and I immediately accepted the challenge uh, knowing that you know five minutes is something that I can easily do but uh, over time not exactly sure how I would approach that five minutes. So my strategy was to uh, create a five-minute presentation. Right? And I did that by um, thinking it through and how many things I talk about and all the different aspects of personal security and identity theft I I'd cover. And I wrote it all down. And then I scripted it out and I rehearsed it and rehearsed it and rehearsed it. And, and it n- was never the same as I rehearsed it. And getting close to actually presenting it, it not being the same kept stressing me out. And so when it came to actually getting on the platform, um, I was nervous because I felt that if I don't do it word for word, punctuation to punctuation, as I scripted it, that I was going to forget it. And that's exactly what happened. So when I got on stage, immediately my mind blanked. Now. I've been told over and over again since that happened that, well, that's not how you do things like that. And I just had never done a scripted speech before. My presentations are keynotes and workshops that are over 45 minutes to six hours. And I know my stuff, and I walk in that room you know, re- researched, knowing my content, speaking to the fundamentals. And I did that with this presentation with the exception of I tried to memorize it. And, that, and I failed miserably in that regard. And so, so I will never do that again because I know that that's not my strength. But what a time to find out. And being on the main stage, of course, you know, um uh, these are your friends. These are your peers. And uh, NSA embraced me. I got lots mm-hmm. of uh, hugs. I got people coming up to me and just grabbing me by the face and saying, you are just perfect, you know, and, <laughs> and I know I wasn't perfect, but it was a perfect whatever it was. And other people saying that, um, you know, everybody said it's happened to all of us. You know, Tony Alessandra, you know, said you were revered by that audience. And, and 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 I really appreciate that, you know, and it's and it's only in an environment like this will you get people saying that, whereas if it was a paid client, Client, yes. you were not revered. You were in a safe know? place. But These your frips like that million. happened to everybody, yeah, safe place, and, and it is, right? So I'm glad if it was going to happen, it happened here, and it was a heck of a learning experience. You know, so I, and I also had a lot of VIPs, you know, people that were new to the conference come up to me and say, hey, um, thank you for giving me permission to fail. Right? or uh, thank you for being a certified speaking professional 20 years in the business, mm-hmm. falling down and not walking off the stage because now I know what it means to be a professional. Yes. And I am happy to um, be that guy for this weekend because my ego can handle it, yes. you know? Uh,
1: and you are learning with the process and helping others.
6: Yes. And it is what it is, right? And so, uh, you know, there will be another day where I'll get on that platform. There'll be another day where I'll have my moment. And uh, and I'm going to be, you know, my calendar is what it is and it's fine. And and more than likely I'll get on the main stage someday in the future and uh, and write that thing. Yes.
1: May I ask, in the process before that, because you just said that you rehearsed, you practice, you scripted, why did you want to go to something that you never do because you have been in the business for so long, yeah, yeah. but you did something very different
7: so I'm an
6: entrepreneur right we all are right and so uh, we love new challenges and so when you take on a new challenge uh, you know you can kind of use existing processes and systems to um, you know uh, take on that challenge or you can try something new well this this uh, opportunity this five minutes was a new thing to me so I figured I'll try something new and it just didn't work right and we try new things and throw it up against the wall to see if it sticks all the time it didn't work you know and and I found out like within 30 seconds it's not gonna work but that's okay uh, because in business and in life we're constantly throwing things up against the wall to see if it sticks uh, there's a time and a place uh, you know with comedians they have their open mic night you know they practice and they train uh, and I said to my wife right before this thing was gonna happen um, you know that's what comedians do before they do their HBO special Yes. I did my HBO special live without training, yeah.
4: wow. you know, I had, no li-
6: I had no audience. And I learned that's not what you do, and there are tons of experts in NSA that can show you those processes, but in being that entrepreneur, being a speaker, while we have access to all these resources, we're also somewhat insulated and isolated, you know? Mm. And it's that insulation, that isolation, that sometimes prevents us from reaching out you know, to other experts that can kind of like guide us and direct us. You know, they say that it can be lonely in in this industry. I don't necessarily believe that, but we kind of are islands in and of ourselves at times. And I was that island in this particular experience. I should have reached out. Since that time, obviously based on what happened and the reaction I've got from the crowd, you know, now I know what to do.
1: And so many people that approach you, as you just mentioned. Oh, yeah,
6: yeah, and and the love and the support and the everything, it's just like, you know.
1: NSA.
6: NSA is, We're cheering
1: up there for you. That's
6: right.
1: Share that moment on the stage, the five longest minutes, you are there, you are trying to come back. I know it could be difficult to relieve that But it could give us another perspective. Yeah. How was emotional for you? Because we were applauding and we were there supporting. How were you doing at that very minute?
6: Yeah. When I talk about you know uh, speaking is a fair worse than death. uh, There is definitely a terror in bombing, Um, and I've never bombed right? Because I know my stuff, I know my audiences, I know my material. But in that moment, um, while I was feeling a tremendous amount of anxiety, um, my wife was, my wife was watching.
1: It's all right.
6: (laughs) Which certainly made it a bit harder. It was tough to, to, to know that my wife was in the audience and she was probably feeling worse than I was. But, you know, like, I was not going to walk off that stage. I Absolutely. am a mm-hmm. professional speaker. Right.
1: And you are. And you will have another opportunity to rock that platform. And you will take it, right?
6: It's on my bucket list.
2: Little did we know that in two days, Robert would have the opportunity to get on stage and try that five minutes all over again. Most of us had thought, oh, it's like ABC's Wide World of Sports, the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. But we want you to join us as we followed up with Robert and heard of the process that allowed him to experience a victory for himself and for all professional speakers
1: we left the interview yesterday and what happened you were approached by many people afterwards so yes. what happened in those two days
6: so when I was done with my um, presentation uh, a lot of people came up to me and they were supportive and so forth and but uh, Victoria Le Balm, um she embraced me and she uh, Pretty much, you know, grabbed me and said, "Listen, you're beautiful. You're perfect. Everything's fine. Don't worry about it. Mm -hmm. And if you ever want to, you know, redo that or help with that, I'll help you." And I was like, "You know, thank you." And then the wheel started spinning. I started thinking, and I saw her leave the room, and I followed her out. And I'm like, "So, are you ready?" And she's like, "Uh, "Well, I was thinking, like, by phone, maybe like next week." I'm like, "Actually, if I can." redo this thing now and, and, you know, present back in the main stage, I would love to do that. And she's like, You would do that? And I'm and I'm like, Well, do I really have a choice? And she says, I will clear my calendar and I will work with you if you wanna make that happen. And so I reached out to Brian and um, you know, I was a hot potato at that point right mm-hmm. so it wasn't really all that attractive at that point but um, you know back and forth with Bruce and Shep and a few others and um, you know uh, Stacy and they thought it was a really good idea because you know what happened to me can happen to anybody and has happened to many and for all the VIP's here it um, It made real, real a lot of sense, uh, because you know it's uh, it's gonna happen, and so you want to know what your options are when it does happen, Mm -hmm. and so I went, I worked uh, with Victoria for you know half a dozen hours over the past couple days, and and I went through her process, and um, I mean she just gave me all she had, she gave me all of her heart and soul and talent and love, and um, and I you know uh, I think it came out pretty good.
1: Very good, congratulations. On the last day of Influence 2015, Robert came back
8: mm-hmm.
1: uh, with a very, very good presentation and speech. Congratulations to Thank you very much. So now, the same question I asked last time, how do you feel on that stage today?
6: Well, I'm not going to cry.
1: <laughs> I know. <laughs> now we are going to laugh.
6: Yes. Um, you know, it was, uh, I had anxiety, which I expected that. And um, what I did ahead of time was I I kind of had an idea what my intro was going to be, you know, because Brian tipped me off to that. And my, my sense was that if I listened to that intro, if I actually heard that video of me again, that that would have been too tough for me. So I, I walked on the stage to like, you know, I, I had had Jack Johnson children's songs playing in my head <laughs> on my iPhone so that I just would like be in a zone, you know. And I walked on the stage, like these, these raving applause and everything, and I took a deep breath and I just, uh, uh, you know, I, I was back uh, in, in 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 victorious training, and I just went ahead and and uh, just felt the audience's love, and uh, it was uh, a pretty amazing ex- experience that I I wish that everybody could have.
1: It's more amazing to know now that you did this speech in two days because it was. Totally different from the one on Saturday.
8: Yeah.
1: I'm sure it's with all the information and content that you use all the time, but the stories, how did you really work it out?
6: So there was definitely a restructuring. Uh, It went from, you know, one page of um, content to memorize to uh, multiple. techniques in order to uh, absorb the content along with present the content. So uh, the person you saw on stage on Friday is completely different today. Uh, honestly I've been doing this for 20 years as you know and I am not the same person in perfectly frank like mm-hmm. I cannot I could not have done that on my own like um, I was in the presence of an absolute professional uh, Victoria actually like transformed what I know and in a very short period of time you know turned me into something that I wasn't uh, I will be a better speaker a more professional a better communicator going forward uh, and everybody should uh, enlist that type of training at some given point in time in their professional career if you've never done it and I am not one to be coached mm. you know I've never really been coached and I make a decent living as a professional speaker. But now I know, like, if you have that type of a talent that you can bestow upon others, that you should invest in that. I mean, that's just, I I wish that I had reached out sooner.
1: Robert, so powerful what you just said, because sometimes it's so difficult to ask for help. Help is there, we don't know it all. We can always learn different techniques and processes. So powerful.
6: Yeah, agreed. And uh, going forward, you know, um, uh, my NSA, experience uh i can't wait for my kids to be here i can't wait for you know uh so my wife was actually in the back of the room yes
1: oh in the Mm -hmm. back this time at the back
6: well she was there i think somewhere in the back but i mean she just came out bawling her eyes out she's all happy like it was (laughs) was, uh it was uh the 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 perfect ending to uh that story i guess
1: for you for your family for nsa yeah love of this family thank you robert thank you
2: Welcome to a new segment called Two Sides of the Same Coin with our correspondent, Lori Guest, CSP.
4: Welcome to Two Sides of the Same Coin. This month, our topic is about positioning yourself as an expert versus a speaker. Oftentimes, we hear in our association that to really establish yourself in the industry and to make the most money, you have to be an expert. So first up to voice his side of the coin is Steve Kasha, CSP, a customer service expert in the HVAC and plumbing industry. And today, he shares why he agrees that expert is the way to go.
8: When I started speaking, the only topic I knew was what I did for a living. I was a customer service manager. So I accidentally stumbled upon the expert niche early in my career while speaking at a call center management conference the audience laughed when i referred to an operational behavior that was akin to using code words that only another customer service manager would find funny and that experience taught me to be the customer service expert and that was many years ago these days i've niched myself into the construction trades mostly plumbing heating and refrigeration and while i know very little about the hvac equipment i wrote The HVAC Customer Service Handbook. Because the guy that writes the book gets to be the expert. And being an expert in a narrow niche simplifies the marketing. I'm a big fish in a small pond. In addition, I've learned that niches are deep. I'd say bottomless. Along with HVAC, there's fuel oil, propane, sheet metal, pipe fitting. And all these industries, they seek the expert. The guy that wrote the book. Now for the opposite viewpoint, Avish
4: Parasher. Avish is the world's only motivational improviser, sharing why he feels being a speaker fits his business model better.
9: Well, I have a strong opinion on this because I really consider myself a speaker. And I feel that for years the common wisdom I hear and am told is that you are not a speaker, you're an expert who speaks professionally. And I'm told this because I say planners don't want to hire speakers and they say because it gives you so many opportunities to make money in ways beyond speaking. And my problem is I got into this business to be a speaker. I love speaking. I love getting in front of an audience and doing my thing and I have a performance background and that's what I love to do. I discovered that I don't like training and coaching and consulting. But because I was trying to follow the common advice and be an expert, I started putting my energy into all these things I didn't enjoy. I wasn't getting great results and I wasn't making that much money. And when it comes to leaving money on the table, I'm fine with doing that. Because if you think about it, we all leave money on the tables by not taking a part-time job selling shoes or delivering pizza, right? It's not about maximizing your income, it's finding that balance. I love being a speaker. The minute I stopped trying to be an expert and just said, you know what, I'm a speaker, my business got so much better, I started making more money, and I started doing the work I love. So I think it's okay to be a speaker, we should be proud of it, we should embrace it, and we should do it.
4: Well, there you have it, two viewpoints on the same topic, proving again that there isn't a right way or a wrong way, just your way of succeeding in this business. At least that's my two cents.
1: He is an Emmy Award-winning writer and producer, an engaging presenter, and a longtime consultant to Fortune 500 executive teams. Scott Halford just published his book, Activate Your Brain. In this interview, we are not focusing on the brain, but we are talking about another one of his expertise, models.
2: What does a good model do? How does it help to explain the content in an organized way? And... How do we use it as a tool to sell more? Scott talks about being different and even sometimes controversial. We create models to help the brain understand in an
7: organized manner.
1: Welcome, and we are going to be talking about models. Yes. That's the difference between an amateur and a professional, why?
7: Yep, that's absolutely right. I think when you think about a body of knowledge, when you become very absorbed in a body of knowledge, you can begin to create models that allow people to see that big body of knowledge in a very simple and easy way, take complexity and make it usable and also predictable. So I know that for me, in the, in the businesses I work in, and I work in mostly corporations, they want results somehow or another, if it's, you know, a speaker shows up, they want some kind of predictable result. And for me, the only way that I could get there was to create models that people would actually use and that would take complex material that I couldn't go back over and over and over and over and over and over, and over again to teach them every bit and piece of it. So I had to be the, the student of it. And that's what I think we are as speakers. We're the student of whatever area we purport to, to, you know, to, to, to teach and put out there. But I think you have to become so fully absorbed in it that you can create a, a simple model when you look at the dip- difference between an amateur and a pro, it really is that absorption to the part to the point where you can, you know, the Greg Louganis when he you know he dives off and does a perfect ten, um, he makes it look completely completely easy. But he was so absorbed and of course so fit and so perfect in that that he was able to make it look easy. And that's what I think a model allows us to do with complex material.
1: A lot of people are doing a speech and they are just sharing their knowledge, but they're not necessarily thinking in models. And you were not before, eight, ten years ago, you were not using models. How did it happen for you?
7: Yeah, actually very organically. It was I was in a, a workshop and I was talking about communication, difficult people and that kind of thing. And someone just wanted clarification around something. And so I just got out a flip chart and I said, OK, it looks like this. And I, it just hit me. And I'd been talking about it a long time, but it hit me, and I drew a picture a quadrant, just a simple quadrant, and I was able to create this model that I use today, and that I actually had verified by some social psychologists to make sure that this body was actually representative of what we talk about in terms of the ego, and what happens uh, when 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 people have weak egos, and what people have strong egos, and what it looked like, and. It, to this day, I use that same material, and people, they glom onto it. They, they, they All of a sudden, light bulbs go off for them. And they're like, oh, wow.
8: I got it. <laughs> that, yeah,
7: that's why that person sitting across from me irritates me so much. Now I know what is happening, and now I know what to do. So a good model does a few things. Uh, it, the first thing it does is it explains the past. So your model had better be able to, to look at past incidences around communication or what have you. And explain that it will predict the future to some degree. Um, it stands up to evidence-based research that's already out there, and it's simple. So those are the four kind of things that a model will do, and it's beyond an acronym.
1: I was going to say that. Why?
7: Well, you know, a lot of people will, use, and acronyms are fine. They can be a model. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, uh, David Rock, who um, he's a colleague in MySpace, he he has the the scarf model, scarf. right? Yeah, and so it's it's. It stands for status, certainty, autonomy, relatedness, and fairness. And see how easily I can peel it off? Well, that is a model representative of an entire body of research out there that explains what happens in the threatened brain, in the socially threatened brain. And we have neuroscience that shows that each one of those, the lack of those, actually create some kind of threat. Well, what he's able to do with that is to teach leaders and other people, all right, so if you if there's a status threat in the room, this is what it looks like. If there's a certainty threat in the room, this is what it looks like. If there's an autonomy threat and so on and so forth. And it's taking this huge body and reducing it down. So even though it ends up being an acronym, SCARF. He didn't stand up. He, he didn't, you know. He didn't come up with an acronym. He didn't sit down and go.
1: Hmm,
4: mm, <laughs> let's,
7: let's think about threat and make something match to threat. No, he just he just took these things and actually put together and it came out to be SCARF. A model can be an acronym. So I have a model that I use on the thriving brain and it's four C's. Right? It just happens to be four C's. It's an easy way to remember it. And so when we look at what causes the brain to thrive, it's certainty, control, choice, and completion. Those are the things that the brain switches on around. And that's a model that explains thriving in in a vast, vast, huge degree of literature. So I think that, that, um, if you really want to have something that is sticky and sellable and that you could actually even sell to other people, that they could use the model to teach to other people, create assessments out of that model because it is a predictable piece of information. Template. Yeah. I think that, that you have to really dive deeply into your material, know it so well that you can see it in the simplest form. And I only think you can get there if you have really, really saturated yourself in that, in that area of in that domain
1: have you seen that it works better for from the client point of view you offer a model and they tend to hire you easier faster for more money
7: they they like the you know i i can't really say that it's for more money but i will say that once i got models uh Things accelerated because people are able to look at the body of knowledge. When I explain to a, a client, when they say, okay, so what, what do we do in critical thinking? What do we do in the neuroscience of success? What do we do in EI? They all have models attached. And I can literally, instead of giving them blah, 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 blah about each one, I'm like, well, here's a model I use. And this is what we get at. And they're like, oh. So it's an easy way to kind of explain it. So yeah, so it probably sells more. Um, It also is a really great way to license your material because it's a predictable kind of thing. It's why assessments, we love assessments. You know, the MBTI, Myers-Briggs, that's a model. And, and, and a model with an assessment, they make bazillions of dollars. Emergenetics, we use that. The EQI. Lots of assessments have that kind of thing going on. So um, I do think you make a lot of money off of it if, if, you know, if, that's, if that's your choice. But it, it really is a way for people to, to swallow a big body of knowledge quickly.
1: And as a summary, Dwight, will be that great advice for the person that doesn't have a model right now, has an expertise a topic is speaking. How I will be the next step?
7: I would say, you know, and it's it's such a difficult and a great question because I believe, and I'm a little bit of a, I'm probably going to sound a little soapboxy <laughs> on this, but I really believe that. You know, I don't want to learn about leadership from someone who's never led anything. I don't want to learn about teaming from someone who's never been on one, so on and so forth. And so I think that we owe it to our clients. We owe it to ourselves to really absorb ourselves in our material, go out, research it, become uh, part of experiments, uh, really delve into the material. So in order to create a model, you have to absorb and and you have to to literally lay down your life for you, for the, the lane that you decide to pick. And you pick it, and you go deep, and you learn it, and you start looking at, gosh, this is how it keeps showing up in the world. And pretty soon, a model appears. I don't think you, you just sit down and go, oh, wow, I've never talked about leadership before, so let me create a model. I don't, I just don't think you'll have the experience to do that.
1: It's just to be aware about something else. It's okay to make mistakes. It's okay if the model doesn't work, right? Yes,
7: absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, Lots of models I've used that I'm like, oh, (laughs) not such a good model. Let's toss that one away. Only,
1: yeah, that, oh, I don't know what it means.
7: Not really a model. (laughs) Yeah, Exactly.
1: Very good. Any other um, advice that you would like to give to a person that is not even thinking on models or the one that is thinking about it but don't know how to start with?
7: Yeah, I would say, you know, the other piece of advice that I would give is that, you know, be a little contrarian. Know your material well enough that you can actually be contrarian enough, meaning um, be a little controversial. Um, so I'm controversial around motivation. I, I think that motivation isn't the thing we shoot for. I think we shoot for activation, and and it's a place in the brain, and and that comes before motivation. And so that that always gets people to sit up and go, "Huh? I always thought I wanted to motivate my pl- employees." And my message is maybe eventually, but you know they may never want to, and that's what motivation has in it. Um, I talk about the idea of activating employees, getting them to actually go through the neurological steps to, to begin, just to simply begin. And once people understand that, they go, wow, okay. But it's controversial because they're like, no, I want to motivate. And so I would say um, look for ways in, 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 in being authentic and true to the, to the information that you read. Look for things that are contrarian to popular belief that we've always believed out there forever and ever. And uh, I think that that is always interesting to people
1: being open to that powerful possibility of a model. Exactly. Thank you very much, Scott.
7: You're welcome.
2: Hi, Michelle. I'm so glad that we get a chance to talk with you. You are the maestro of membership experience. Tell us more about what you do and what we should be getting out of our membership.
10: That's wonderful. I might have to change my title to Maestro of Membership. You liked it? <laughs> that's wonderful, Stephen. That's that's wonderful. Um, I am Michelle Reynolds. I am actually the Director of Member Experiences for NSA. And that really encompasses a lot of things. I not only oversee um, new member acquisition and also retention of our members, um, but I also work very, very closely with all of our chapters, all of our community groups, including um, our social media um, and also I work really closely with our learning experiences team for when we do have in-person events so we make sure the experience is fluid throughout.
1: And that experience is better and better if we are engaged and we uh, take advantage of those incentives. So tell us more about uh, the website and all this information that is valuable for our members.
10: Absolutely. So, as a member of NSA, it is really important that you stay in the know. And we try to communicate as best we can. And I appreciate this opportunity to talk a little bit more about ways that you can stay connected with your community. First and foremost is we have a fantastic staff here at the office that is happy to help with any questions you may have. You can call the office during our business hours and one of our member services team is happy to help you. You can also email us if you need, um, and that email the general email is Memberservices at nsaspeaker.org. Um, I also encourage that you get connected online and through social media we have so many robust social media communities going on right now. It it just makes me so excited every time I get on there to see the conversations that are happening. Members helping members, members helping those who are new in the speaking industry and members who are who have a little bit more experience helping everyone across the board. It is wonderful to see the community in action. So we have a lot of different social media groups. Of course we have Twitter and LinkedIn. Facebook is probably our most robust. Um, We have a large general group that has over 20,000 participants in it. And then recently, actually at the beginning of the year, we launched a members-only Facebook group which we monitor quite extensively, so we make sure that those who are active members are in that group. So by all means, please get connected in social media and, um, and your, your community of your fellow members. Also, on a weekly basis, we send out a wonderful email called Speaking Business Weekly. It's basically a newsletter with all the information that you could ever want about happenings within the speaking industry. It's not just a promotion for something for you to purchase, but it does talk about articles that are pertinent to the speaking industry, um, webinar information, um, event um, call for proposals for our different events that we do have here at NSA, um, and just again, ways that you can continue to connect with not only your organization, but also your fellow members. And of course, Pilar, you mentioned our website. I invite all of you to have an opportunity to check out our website at nsaspeaker.org. There's so much great information there. And there's even an exclusive member area that has discounts and opportunities and um, special benefits that are exclusive to you being a member of NSA.
1: That's wonderful. We just need to encourage everyone to use it because I am thinking right here for how many years we have been members and when was the last time that we checked the website? I'm not gonna put you on the spot, Steve.
2: You won't put me on the spot, I'm glad, (laughs) and I won't put you on the spot. But I like the idea that there's some exclusive things for us to take advantage of. Well, thank you, Michelle, we really appreciate the update and looking forward to talking to you again about new things in the future.
1: Thank
10: you. Absolutely, thank you both very much for everything that you do for NSA.
2: Elaine Dummler is the chair of the Chapter Leadership Committee, and every month she will share with us what is happening in different chapters, what's working, and ideas that we can implement in our own chapter. Elaine Dummler, I am so excited to have you in the role of Chapter Leadership Committee chairperson. It's going to be a phenomenal year, and each time we get together on VOE, you're going to be bringing to us a couple of ideas that chapters are doing that are adding value to our members. So, Give us some ideas of some things that are happening right now.
11: Well, in Northern California, as with a lot of chapters out there, they have a large geographic reach. You know, they have people coming from a lot of different areas. So, what they've done to help with this is that they have put on regional learning salons. And these salons usually feature a chapter member and are held in a member's home. Now, they target about 15 to 20 attendees, and in their case, it's open to both members and non members, but members are free uh, because as a membership, benefit and they focus on learning a new skill or technique to help enhance an attendees business. Now, as they reach out and are able to bring these people in, these are some folks that might be unable to attend regular meetings because of the distance. So, being involved in a regional salon it lets them learn and socialize with the people so they get to know who else is in their chapter. Salons also give the intermediate level speakers an opportunity to further develop their presentation skills and gain visibility for what they do and they provide an opportunity for small groups with similar interests and concerns to meet and share information. So that's what Northern California does and kind of along the same lines, Colorado puts on professional masterminds and these are seminars that are hosted off-site and they are set up to look to attract and retain professional members. now They are set up as an exclusive benefit to professional members and only professional members come, which is a little different from how Northern California had it set up. These are at no cost to the members and they use the talent that's within the chapter. So At these sessions, you learn about focused topics such as you'll have someone come in and work with social media training. Someone else comes in and talks about how to plan and design more effective slides. It, we have any type of training that someone can give for about two hours in an evening out, directly out of our chapter. But the socializing is so fun too, a little bit uh, ahead of time. Now, one of the cool things, at least for these masterminds, is that they've become a super recruiting tool and I think all chapters are looking for that. Because those who are kind of on the fence about membership, they want to be a part of those professional masterminds. In fact, we had one person who was on the fence. When she learned about them, she decided to join and within two months after she had joined, she had such an amazing skill on teaching humor that we had her teaching one of these right away. But we have had a number of people who have come over the fence and have joined because of it. So maybe as a chapter, you can look at ways you can do things like this to offer a membership benefit. And if you're not a member of a chapter yet, now you can begin to see why you need to be there.
2: And now a word about the Technology Lab coming up in November. Co-chairs Sierra Modro and Phil Gerbischak are planning an amazing event to help you grow your business as a speaker.
0: Sierra, hey, I can't wait for the Fall Tech Lab. There's so much that I want to experience. But how about you? Are you excited about the Fall Tech Lab? Well,
12: of course I am. I can't believe the the quality of presenters we're going to have. And don't forget to bring your laptop because this is going to be completely hands-on. Can you imagine being able to actually come away from the Tech Lab with real work done with the experts in the sessions, this is going to be
0: awesome. The fact that it's hands-on to me makes this one of the best NSA events that I've been part of and I'm just so excited with all the things that I get to take away that are going to help me grow my business, boost my speaking and just be better with all the technology that confuses me.
12: I know that the part that I'm looking forward to the most is really looking at how Technology is going to help me maximize my time and maximize my return on working in my business.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's really our goal is to make it dead simple, to make it hands-on and to walk away with things that you've already done to build that foundation so that when you get back in the office Monday or Tuesday, that you can boom right forward in your business and build off of that foundation. Not just concepts, but hands-on things that you've done that can prove your business to be stronger, better, faster
12: it's definitely something everybody who can get to San Jose should get there and come away with a major impact for your business.
0: Absolutely. You're going to get return on your investment in the first day. The fall tech lab is just going to be amazing.
12: So what are the dates on that tech lab, Phil?
0: Those dates on the tech lab, Sierra, are November 6, 7, and 8, 2015. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday.
2: Ruby, we are so delighted to have a few minutes to visit with you today, and, uh, and even more, we're delighted to be a part of your team. But I think a lot of people who are listening right now are kind of curious, who are you? Besides being Madam President, who are you, Ruby? Could you tell us how you got started?
13: Oh Stephen, you've been talking to my husband. He's been been calling me Madam President for a little while now. Thank you so much for reminding me how special that term is. Um, Actually, I've, I've been speaking for 20 years but I got into the business because I was a swim coach. I coached swimming for 20 years and coincidentally at the end of that 20 years developed this terrible sinus infection and had major headaches and we couldn't figure out what was wrong year after year, so I went to the doctors and they told me that I had developed a hypersensitive pneumonitis. Basically, I had become a allergic to the pool air that I was spending all my time in and I thought, okay, that's, that's fine. Well, I, this is who I am and what I do and what can I do to get better and I wasn't prepared for the doctor to tell me, you know, you have to quit your job. <laughs> so that was a pretty traumatic time in my life and I was struggling to find out where I could, where do you replace all that energy and that drive and that passion. So at about that same time, I, got, I learned about the National Speakers Association. So I took my motivation and my talents for uh, helping people um, on the pool deck and decided to take it to a new platform. And that new platform became the National Speakers Association and, and that's where I you know learned how to do what I'm doing today but you know fast forward 20 years it's been a long journey there are many lessons along the way
1: and I love part of that story at the very very beginning it wasn't that easy it wasn't immediate that you found success it took you more than 200 programs tell us a little bit about that
13: You're right, Pilar. Um, My first step was finding NSA, sat in the back, watched all the the pros and I was so impressed with them. I I studied them and really wanted to be like them. And then I started speaking for free for, it was about two and a half years, maybe 200 programs in there. And during that period of time, I learned uh, the, wow, it's hard. <laughs> I was really struggling. The biggest thing that I had to learn how to do was breathe because I would get up and I would speak really fast and I would not remember to take the air in and I really thought I was going to pass out a little bit. Uh, some of the times when I finished my program. One of my favorite programs was my first national program that I presented, and it was uh, a, an hour-and-a-half program, and I finished in 45 minutes. Oh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> it was bad. It was bad. So I definitely had a lot to learn, but um, the journey was worth it, and you know, just watching all the people that were involved with NSA it really made a big difference for me.
2: So, Ruby, if after you did all of those presentations and you started to learn to breathe, Who inspired you to go to the next level?
13: Well another milestone was uh, I was at a meeting for NSA Colorado and somebody said hey Patricia Fripp is coming to town and I, I didn't know who that was so I I, you know, asked a lot of questions about her and I could tell how well respected she was because their voice changed when they were telling me she's a CSP, CPAE, she, she was the first female president of the National Speakers Association. You have to be a member in order for you to go to this event she's doing so you have to join and so I filled out my paperwork that night, and everybody was so impressed with her. I just knew I needed to go see her. So filled out my paperwork and faxed in at 5 o'clock. And at 6 o'clock, I was sitting in a, a large group meeting where Patricia was speaking. And wow, everything they said about her was true. <laughs> you found yourself kind of wanting to be like her. And sometimes, as
1: speakers, we're comparing ourselves, and we have to say the right thing. It Was that the case?
13: Absolutely. One of the challenges I had was that, you know, I had just finally learned how to breathe and then I had this perfect example in front of me, so I decided I was just going to be just like her, (laughs) except, you know what, that's kind of hard. I studied her and watched her and I started presenting her her methods and, you know, presenting like she, she choreographed her speech and she nailed that major point right in main stage and she was just so, the audience was captivated and I wanted to be that so bad so I I really worked hard at being that kind of person up on stage and and then one day somebody laughed because I did something silly and I kind of laughed at myself and then they laughed and I'm like, wow, that's it's kind of different. What's going on there? And and Patricia's funny in her own right, but I was trying to be someone else, so I wasn't very funny at all. And when I finally let my guard down and actually gave myself permission to be myself, oh my gosh, what an amazing evolution that was for me. It, it liberated me and I, I became the person that I believe is, is really important today is being that authentic speaker who's the same on stage as she is off the stage and it's a lot easier. I tell you. But the milestone is you're giving yourself permission to be yourself. That's the hard part.
1: That is a great reminder permission to be ourselves. And speaking about that evolution, that happens every day. That doesn't happen only at the beginning of our careers.
13: Absolutely. I'm still learning and growing every single day and, and I'm, I'm learning and growing in this role too. I think it's a great reminder that you know the beauty of NSA is that we are all helping each other grow. Um, on a daily basis, we're learning lessons from each other. We're watching and we're We're taking notes and it's going to make us each one of us better as well as the profession.
2: Well, thank you, Ruby. We really appreciate the time that you've given us today and more the time that you're devoting for this entire year to help us become better as professionals of the stage and off the stage.
13: Thank you, Stephen. I am honored to serve. Thank you.
0: wrap it up it's time for what we've learned with steven and pilar
2: well here we are at the very end of our first edition of voe and we're going to wrap it up with what we're calling the Voe. (laughs) and both of us it's something different it's very new to this voe experience and you know i remember when ruby asked for you and i to partner on this my first thought was what does she know about us? We don't even know each other. And yet, blending our different worlds, experiences, uh, has really been a delight. It
1: has been. And I think that's what he had, in, she had in mind because it's about different backgrounds, different skills, different talents. And that's NSA. NSA have people from all over the world and uh, all our members are bringing something different. So that has been a wonderful experience.
2: And your experience, uh, your background has such such depth and something to offer to this that I'm really learning to appreciate.
1: Oh thank you. But you know what is funny Stephen and I can share this with all our listeners. Yes, my background, 25 years of experience as a news anchor, reporter, a journalist, not only in Colombia but here in the United States for the last 18 years. but, always in Spanish. So when I first heard about VOE and interviewing this, which is something that I love, but in my second language, I have to confess that I had my fears and I was like, oh, should I do this? Should I, shouldn't I do it? And then I thought, you know what? As speakers, we are always facing challenges, fears. We have to overcome and take action. And I am so glad I said yes. And this is not about me, it's about serving our community with wonderful information. So that's a little confession that I had to make I have to make here.
2: Well, and I have to admit as well that when you're asked to to help collate and bring together all of the different interviews and experiences and and great insights of really masterful business leaders and speakers that's a pretty heavy responsibility and it was a little intimidating to think about the work but every time i've ever listened to a voe in the past i have learned so much and thinking about being a part of it and learning Right up close to that whole thing, that excited me, and I wanted to make sure I was a part of doing that to share it with the rest of our members who are, for me, really my family and my community.
1: Our people. <laughs> yes, absolutely. That's because right. Because in my business as an entrepreneur, after I realized that I didn't need a TV station to be successful and to have my own business, NSA has been a wonderful part of it. My life changed as an entrepreneur after I knew about NSA. So this is another opportunity to tell others to to be more involved, to be engaged.
2: Absolutely. Well, and that's why we're calling this VOE, because it's really not just about you and and me. It's about all of us as a part of the NSA family. And so we're going to wrap this up by just thanking you for being a part of this edition and to invite you to be a part of the conversation. Jump on Facebook, send us your ideas, your thoughts. We'd really like to keep that conversation going. And we're looking forward to connecting with you next month. In October.
1: absolutely let us know what you think keep the conversation open because we are here steven and i to serve you every month with voe and at the end with vo see you next month i should say we will talk next month